Yeah, Jesus, we thank you for the cross. Thank you for this good news that we get to proclaim. Thank you for this good news that we've come to know and to love and to cherish. A good news that is hope for the hopeless. A good news that's not just momentary, but a good news that's eternal. We thank you today. We thank you for the cross. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can I say to you this morning, if you're here as a visitor or a guest, we're not normally like this. Normally, you know, we're, we're one of those happy, clappy churches. Um, not one of those churches where all the people leading stand at the front and cry in front of you. But there's, there's, something, there's something really important, isn't there, about being family together, about being church together, that we can do this. Um, and if you're here as a guest and we never see you again, I wouldn't blame you, to be honest. Um, but if you're here as a guest and you think, actually, do you know what, here's a church family I can connect with because they cry and they laugh, well, you'd be so welcome. Just come and cry and laugh with us. Um, there's something really precious about it. Um, a, a number of people, it feels, have got words or pictures or scripture for Hannah and for Stuart. That's really exciting and that's fantastic. Can I please encourage you this week to email me, Kay, uh, or to send something into the office, and we'll collate all of those words and those pictures so that we can share them with Hannah and Stuart and also kind of just uh, filter them somewhat as well, just to make sure that what's being said is absolutely um, appropriate for their particular context. But please do share. God, by His Spirit, is clearly stirring something really exciting um, for us this morning. Do you know, we, we've got a good news, and that good news is good news. Uh, we have good news that is hope, and without that good news, we are hopeless. And my great passion for us as a church is that we'll just continue to grow in confidence with this good news that we have. It's a good news that makes a difference in the lives of people who hear it. I, I can tell you that from my own life. I came to discover the good news of Jesus when I was about 12 or 13, and that good news has sustained me throughout my years, what, three decades, or no, I'm older than that, four decades on, uh, or whatever it is. Last weekend, we began this new teaching series thinking about uh, reaching out, and reaching out, as you see on the screen, has got the word go in the middle of it. We were challenged about not clinging on to this good news for ourselves, but actually sharing this good news uh, with other people. Jesus, uh, well, it's been called the Great Commission, and we were reflecting last weekend, actually, it's become the greatest omission. Sometimes we cling on to this good news, and we don't share it as we should with others. And actually sharing this good news is part of what it means to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus. Well, what is a disciple, you might be asking? Well, a few quotes, and I hope you'll find these helpful. Dallas Willard says this, discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he was you. Now, that sounds heretical on first read, doesn't it? Discipleship is becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. But actually, when you think about it, it's profoundly challenging. Eugene Peterson, who stole these words from somebody else, speaks of discipleship as being long obedience in the same direction. That's a great definition of discipleship. We can't microwave discipleship. And there's a temptation, isn't there, in the instant society that we live in to want our discipleship journey to be finished now. Do you know what? I wish I understood suffering. I really wish I understood suffering. I had a, a much better theology of suffering. It's okay. God's got one and Slowly, he reveals a better theology of suffering to me. But I've grown in that. 
I've grown in that, and that's what discipleship is like. But there's another quote for you I want to share as well, and it reminds us that discipleship isn't all about us. There's a temptation, isn't there, to think discipleship is all about me going deeper with Jesus, discovering more of Jesus and walking more intimately with him, and that's half the story. Of course, that's true, but as this quote reminds us, there's another half to discipleship, which is about encouraging others into the journey of discipleship. The Christian life is a discipled life, yes, but too, and it's a discipling life. As we get into our scripture reading this morning, um, from Romans chapter 10, Paul is making a very passionate plea to the church in Rome to be serious about this good news and the sharing of that good news uh, with others. Uh, Romans chapter 10 verse 1 says this, brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they would be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Keep your Bibles open if you've opened Romans 10. We're going to come back to it. But As often happens with Paul's letters, Paul is writing here because there's a situation, there's an issue, there's a controversy that's going on in the life of the church. Romans chapter 9, the chapter before this one, ends with Paul declaring over his own people Israel, look, you guys have been trying to find relationship with God and you've been doing it entirely the wrong way. Something has happened and you need to spot this event which has happened. His conclusion is that the Jews were doing everything exactly backwards. They'd refused to come to faith in God through Christ and instead were relying on their own strength to try and make it in relationship with God. And Jesus says to them in the chapter before, look, uh, sorry, Paul says to them, look, Jesus has become a stumbling stone. He's become a tripstone to you in the road to salvation. And then we hear those words that we heard in verse 4 of Romans chapter 10. And Paul couldn't be clearer. Look, the solution to the problem of self-sufficiency, of trying to make it on your own strength, is Jesus. Jesus says to the people of Israel, look, Jesus is the culmination of the law. The whole of the Old Testament has been looking forward to this point. Jesus has made all things right, so you need look no further to try and work out your salvation. Now, if you've been journeying with us since the beginning of the year, you'll know this is all starting to sound a bit familiar, isn't it? We heard all this in Galatians. The message of Paul to the church in Galatia was, look, the law is not going to save you. Rule keeping is not going to save you. You can be the the, the goodest, sorry, that's terrible English, the goodest person on planet Earth, but it won't save you. To be saved, using less theologically confusing words, means to put us in right relationship with God eternally. And Paul is saying to the church in this letter, in other letters, he's saying, look, any route to God other than via Jesus, especially via good works, is going to lead you to a dead end. It's going to be a a tripping stone for you that makes you fall on your face. Now, I don't know about you, but I can think of friends and family who, who live a bit like that. They say things to me like, well, I'm good, so I don't need Jesus. Oh, lucky for you. They might say things like, well, I'm a good person. And surely when God looks at me, he, he just thinks, well, it's okay, you tried your best. The problem is, Paul is saying, here and elsewhere is your good is not good enough in the eyes of a holy God. Now, one of the most shocking things, I think, in Scripture is that some of Jesus' strongest words are for those who at least outwardly looked as if they were doing really well in life. 
People who you might think, well, they've got no need for God because their life is sorted. Perhaps the religious leaders, the, the Pharisees, people may be a bit like me. I'm sure you're thinking right now. But Jesus said to people like that, look, on the outside, you appear to people as if you're really righteous, you're really right with God, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy. We're going to hear a bit more about that next weekend. So if this kind of self-sufficiency is a wrong response to find relationship with God, how do we help our friends, our neighbors, our families who may have subscribed to this way of trying to work out their salvation? Well, as we get into chapter 10 of Romans, Paul is sharing his strategy to overcome the problem of self-sufficient people. And his response, first and foremost, is to pray. It's there right in verse 1, to pray. But Paul's prayer here isn't one of those kind of stale, dispassionate prayers. It's a heartfelt, persistent outpouring of prayer. Now, often when I think of Paul, I think of a guy who was kind of lukewarmish, fairly stoic, a hyper-intellect, somebody who had no emotion but that couldn't be further from the truth. Listen to the, the verse 1 from the message. It says this, Believe me, friends, all I want for Israel is what's best for Israel. That's salvation and nothing less. He says, I want it with all of my heart and I pray to God for it all of the time. Why was Paul praying these kind of impassioned, heartfelt prayers? Because Paul knew that prayer changes things. Haven't we discovered that in the story of grace? that prayer changes things. I mean, if nothing inspires us to pray, surely that story does. Paul is saying, look, we should be a people that pray, even if you believe that God has predestined people to be saved uh, since the foundation of the world. He's talking about that back in chapter 9. If you haven't got a clue what I'm talking about, don't worry. And if you want to try and understand what I'm talking about, you can talk about predestination in your small groups, because I'm not going there now. But Paul prays these passionate prayers despite that being his theology. Why? Not because he felt sorry for people who were without Christ, but he knew that Christ was their only hope. Without Christ, they were hopeless. So the first thing he does is he prays. And you know, that's the greatest thing we can do for somebody who doesn't yet know Jesus is to pray for them, even if we never, ever have the opportunity to witness to them using words. We need to be a people who pray. We're going to think about that just before we finish. But this word prayer in our text, it's a really important word for prayer that Paul uses. It's actually quite an aggressive word. It means to be pleading or petitioning. It means to be asking, seeking, kind of knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door constantly. Paul isn't just going through the motions of prayer here. He's not just reading off a list of names that he feels somehow obligated to pray for, but he's fully invested in this time of prayer with his head and with his heart. And when you think about it, it's perhaps obvious, isn't it, that Paul would be praying for the salvation of the Jews in this moment. He's so burdened for this people group because he himself was a Jew before having that Damascus Road experience. And it seems to me that so often how God works in this whole journey of evangelism and discipleship, he gives the greatest burden to us for those who are closest to us. Now, some of us know that to be our reality. We've been praying for friends. We've been praying for family for a very, very long time. In my case, for decades. Why do I keep praying for them? Because they're close to me and because they matter to me. You can be almost certain that God will place a burden on your heart for somebody who is close to you, who you love. Why? Because that's so often how he does this whole business. The greatest burden we feel is for those that we love 
the most, our friends, our family, our neighbours, our spouse, our, our children. And I want to encourage you this morning in this knowledge that prayer changes things to keep on praying for people who are close to you. I know for many of us, we've been praying for decades for, for loved ones. Keep on praying. Don't give up. Keep praying, not just stale prayers, but passionate, heartfelt prayers until your knees are thoroughly worn out. Keep on knocking firmly on heaven's door. Keep knocking even if your knuckles feel like they're getting sore from all the knocking that you've been doing. Why? Because your sore knuckles and your worn out knees are a really brilliant witness of your faith in Jesus and your hope in Christ. I want to encourage you today to know that God is not deaf to your prayers. If you've been praying for decades, he hears and he cares. There is no such thing as an unanswered prayer, but sometimes we do have to wait for God's perfect timing. No matter how long it takes, when God works, it's always worth the wait. So let's be a people who pray for friends and family who don't yet know Christ. Let me read on in the text. Now be warned, this all gets a bit complicated for reasons I'll explain in a moment. Verse 5 says this, Moses writes this about the righteousness that's by the law. The person who does these things will live by them, but the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you and it's in your mouth and it's in your heart. That is the message concerning faith we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. You will eternally be in relationship with God. For it's with your heart that you believe and you are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and you are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, this is probably the most important sermon point that you've ever heard pour out of my lips. Are you ready for it? Jesus is essential for salvation. Salvation is found in no other name than the name of Jesus. There is no other way by which we can be saved or find eternal relationship with Jesus. That's a really short version of what Paul is trying to say in those complicated words that I've just read to you. Verse 9, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will, it's a promise, you will be saved. Verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will, there's a promise again, will be saved. There's no ambiguity here in Paul's mind. Paul is not saying, well, Jesus is a way to be saved or he's the best of several ways to be saved. Paul is saying Jesus is the only way to be saved. Billy Graham, I feel I should quote him week in, week out at the moment. Billy Graham once said this, I'm not going to heaven because I've preached to great crowds or read the Bible many times. He says, I'm going to heaven just like the thief on the cross because he said in that last moment, Jesus remember me. Isn't that beautiful? It just puts into context our good works. There is no other way than crying out to Jesus, Jesus, remember me. Now, this is why all that stuff gets so complicated in the text. Paul is very wisely, I think, here using the words of Moses and Scripture from the Old Testament to speak to and to connect with his Jewish audience. Paul demonstrates really well here choosing the right Scriptures to connect with the particular people um, 
in a way that they're going to understand. Now, as Paul speaks, not much of this makes sense to us, but lots of it would have made sense to this Jewish audience. Paul is saying, in short, look, you might have thought you've discovered capital T truth by being good and keeping the law of Moses, but you haven't. Jesus is the truth. Know this truth, says Paul, and because of this truth, it will lead you to salvation. And he says that in a way that the people he's speaking to will understand. I think that's really significant for us. If we're going to connect with our friends and our family, we've got to find ways of doing that that they will understand. You're going to hear a commendation for the Alpha course later. A great way to help people understand this gospel in a way they can connect. You see, for disciples of Jesus who want to help others become disciples of Jesus, I have this sense that the more we grasp this truth that Jesus is the only way to salvation, the more that truth will fill our hearts and fill our heads, the more that truth will spill out of our mouths. Out of the mouth comes the overflow of the heart, says Scripture. And in a sense, I want to encourage you to marinate your heart in the truth that Jesus is Lord. To marinate your heart until we've got such gospel confidence about this that somehow that's the message that spills out of our mouths. But Paul is saying here, look, this isn't just a head knowledge. It's definitely a heart knowledge. He says in verse 10, first we believe in the heart and then that heart belief finds outward expression in confession with our mouths, which then leads us to live lives which will demonstrate the gospel. Now, all of that leads me perfectly to my final point. At some point, if we're going to share this good news with our family, with our loved ones, with those that we care about, that those that God has put the burden on our heart to pray for, at some point we have to verbalize this good news. We have to turn it into words. Listen to what Paul says towards the end of this section. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one in whom they have not believed? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Here in these words, Paul is just reminding us how God has, in his economy, has set up the sharing of this good news. Jesus sends people to go and proclaim the gospel using words. Sometimes he sends them to far us places, as we thought last weekend, sometimes we go by staying. People then hear that good news proclaimed. People believe that good news when they hear it. They call on the name of the Lord, and then they are saved if they will accept that good news. This is God's plan. This is God's method for getting this good news message shared all around the world. And he does it using our words, but he wants to do it too using your beautiful feet. Have you got beautiful feet this morning? It's a question that needs an answer. I spoke to somebody last, earlier this week who said, no, not me. I've got Halloween feet, which I thought was rather an image. I think in pictures. I wish people wouldn't say things like that to me. And of course, when I ask the question, have you got beautiful feet? I, I'm not talking about your physical feet. I mean, some of our feet are minging, and I'm sure some of our feet are absolutely delightful. But God's measure of your beautiful feet is what you do with this good news, this gospel message. Are you willing, are you uh, in the business of allowing the, your feet to take you to a place where you can share this good news message using your words? You see, Paul's point here in the end of our text is that people cannot look to Jesus for eternal life if they don't believe in him. 
People are not going to believe in Jesus unless our beautiful feet, accompanied by our words, travel to the places where people are and share this good news with them. Are your feet beautiful today? You see, if you want to have beautiful feet today, what you don't need is a chiropodist. What you need is the Spirit of God to just equip you and resource you to in an appropriate way, which Paul demonstrates here in our text, to share this good news. Now, in saying all this, what I'm not advocating for necessarily this morning is to go knocking on people's doors and say to them, you need Jesus, you need him today. That's a message many people will find offensive. But there's a different way. What about just having coffee with a friend or a family member and talking about what you did at the weekend? Why don't you say, hey, do you know what I did at the weekend? I went to church and the minister stood at the front and cried. You should go back and look at it on YouTube. It's such a laugh. But you know, when we say things like that, people say, why do you do that? Why did he bother crying? Why did, why, did the, why did Caroline stand there and cry next to him? And it gives us the reason to say, because we just sense God has done something. You know, when we share the good news, all we're simply doing is speaking about what we've seen Jesus do and what he's been up to. We don't have to necessarily declare point blank that Jesus is the only way to find salvation. Your feet can be so beautiful this week when we take the opportunities that God often puts before us, equipped by his spirit who promises to be with us to the very end of the age, to simply speak a word in season. Nine words. I think it's nine. Would you like to come on the Alpha course. Nine words. And you know, that's my prayer for me this week. Not that I would go around proclaiming to people, Jesus is the only way to find salvation, but just maybe that God would give me the courage to say those nine words. Would you like to come on the Alpha course? The person might say no. (laughs) Say what? They might just say yes. And we could have the most amazing privilege of seeing a friend or a family member wrestle with the things of Christian faith. And we're going to pray passionately, persistently, (laughs) that just maybe they might even come to faith and join this amazing family so they can come and cry with us every Sunday morning. Wouldn't that be good? This is good news. It's good news. And it's for everyone. Beth, can you play the first Alpha video for me? That would be amazing. Thank you. Here's to trying something new. Maybe it's that thing you've always wanted to do. That random invite you didn't know was going to be for you. Or even just taking a breath before the first step. Maybe it's seeing how far you can go. Or honing a skill you've always known. Maybe it's trying something just for the fun of it. Or maybe it's breaking your barriers to make you feel like you've lived a bit. Maybe it's exploring your mind or wondering what life could really be about. Here's to try it and failing, to discovering for you and sharing it too. To exploring more of this one life we get. Stay curious, try Alpha. 
morning, everyone. My name is Clive, and I have the privilege of being asked to co-host the Alpha course and work with a team of great people so that those people you are going to be praying for, that you say those nine words to, who do accept that invitation, have a chance to meet the King of Kings. The Alpha course starts just a couple, a few days before the coronation of King Charles III. But people who come on the Alpha course on the Thursday, the 4th of May, at 7 o'clock, have an opportunity to meet with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who our amazing Queen Elizabeth, God bless her, she's with Jesus now, modeled to her family and to the nation, and not least through the Christmas speeches, what it was to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I've been deeply moved this morning. Um not least by our pastors, who followed the leading and prompting of the Spirit after that remarkable, incredible testimony of Hannah and Stuart and Little Grace. Like you, I've been praying for her, and I I am thanking God for a miracle, and I want to see another miracle. And I totally understand a pastor who says, you might think, what on earth have you come to? But a pastor also says, we laugh and we cry. You've joined a family this morning. The Father has been wrapping his arms around us. Jesus stood at the center of the communion table, his table. And the Holy Spirit brooded over us, stirring people to bring prophetic words and scriptures to strengthen that little family. I'm delighted to be part of this church. But there are so many people out there that don't know Jesus loves them. Third pastor crying this morning. So we're going to ask, please, with the Little five in focus bookmarks on your seats. Just pick it up now. Will you ask the Holy Spirit and your own common sense and maybe conversation with someone else who knows you and these people, who are you going to pray for? Five people. You can remember them by looking at the fingers and the thumb of one hand. Who are the five people you're going to pray for? And then maybe invite on this Alpha course The video, for those of you who felt it wasn't too inclusive because it was all young people, particularly pray that loads of young people will come because they're a missing generation in the UK church. Let's be honest, most people look like me with this color hair and not much of it left either. But actually, if you look at these wonderful invitations, there's a lot of people, including young people, and people of every generation, all of whom are welcome who desperately would love to know a little bit more about this fascinating character, Jesus, who is the Alpha and the Omega. So I want to encourage you to pray five in focus, to keep listening in to how you can serve and get involved, and to be thinking particularly about who you can invite. And by the way, it doesn't have to be five. You could invite 50. And if five of them come, that'll be fantastic. Is it okay if I pray, Pastor? Pastor? Let's pray. Then I'll hand back to Kay. After another video. Father, as we've seen that video and as we watch another video, as we look at these little invitations and these bookmarks, help us to have beautiful feet. Not Halloween feet, whatever they are. Beautiful feet. Help us, Father, to recognize that if we can just have the courage to say those nine words... Would you like to join me in coming on an Alpha course or whatever it was? Help us to have the courage to do that, Father. 
And we pray all this now. Lead us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. This old friend of mine, Helen. My best friend. My friend called and invited me to try Alpha. Y recuerdo que mi papá me dijo, mira, hay comida gratis. Ve. They handed me a invitation. It was just a random invitation. And I said, like, why not? Why not? Let's try it. Why not? Let's go. And I found like a like a really awesome community of people. They helped me find who I was just by listening. Alpha helped me in the knowing of God. Empecé a entender que el amor I just knew. I was a different person from that moment on. I knew I had purpose. I've seen Alpha really impact people that I work with. I would definitely encourage people to get involved. It's one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. It all turned out to be life-changing. There you go. It's one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. We're going to sing a, a song as we draw towards a close in a moment. I, I just want to share a, a social media post that Chloe, um, one of our Moreland students, has posted uh, this morning. So appropriate uh, in the life of all that we've been talking about today. She's currently doing her block placement, which is why she's not with us, um, in a church up in Bristol. And uh, she says this, I'm currently on a five-week placement in a church in Bristol. Here are some of the things I've learned so far. City driving really isn't so bad. I like mango in salads. Being bold about your faith doesn't make you overbearing. Apparently, I sound like a Bristolian. The Holy Spirit is real, and he's within us. Cats aren't evil after all. Being pushed out of your comfort zone is scary, but it's so much fun. God is good. Please ask me about him, she says at the end. What a great example of how we can influence this world. Let's stand together. Let's stand. Lord, as if we needed reminding of this truth,